Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk about all your favorite books from Book Talk. I'm Caitlin, joined by my hosts, Bridget and Hilda. Hi. Hi. And today we're picking back up with book five of the Zodiac Academy series. So we've been covering books. We're actually going through all of them because book eight comes out this December. And we are recapping all the love, the tears, the pain together so we can all be ready for that last release in December. Emphasis on the pain because, you know, Misery loves company. Oh, Misery does love company. And we have a ton to get through in this recap of book five, which is Cursed Fates. And I think this is one of the biggest books off the bat. So when you look at books one through four, they were not 700 plus pages. (laughs) This one was. Even though, you know, a lot happens in those books, a lot, a lot happens in those book. We've got a lot of notes to cover and we'll take you through every painful, painful memory. Now, I do want to go on record because I made a mistake. I made an egregious error in the recording of book four where I said, book four is the most painful book so far. I take it back. I take it back 100%. It's book five. During the reread, like very early on, I have tears in my eyes rereading it i just forgot i forgot the pain like childbirth i am with you on that one i agree the pain does start at the end of book four though it's a spiral after the events that occurred at the end but it's like the one the cut i got of book four just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper and like we're getting through the skin we're getting through the flesh now we're getting to the bone like it's just so painful as it keeps going you know what i think part of it is and this might be going into the discussion. At the end of book four, it hurts what happens between Tori and Darius. But at the same time, you're kind of rooting for Tori because you're like, you know what? This bad bitch is standing up for herself and she's not letting anything else dictate her life and she's making a decision that's right for her. And so you're kind of like cheering her on. But then book four starts and then you realize that she's just as heartbroken and in pain. And then you're just kind of like... You realize she's just in in so much pain. Yeah. And so, and I say this because when I read it this time around, I took like, I don't know, maybe a couple days between um, finishing book four and starting my reread book five. I almost started crying. And like, I know what's happening. Yeah, I know it's going to happen, but it's just just, painful to reread again. It was. It was, it hit me harder this time. I I, I don't know why that is. Like, we just think we should be prepared for the pain. Like, I know what this is like. I think that's the worst part because we know what's happening. We already know what will happen, yet it still hurts. And it's still making you cry. Like, I'm going to start crying just thinking about it. (laughs) I think I might be getting my period. (laughs) What's going on? I'm usually not this person. (laughs) you can be emotional and still be a strong woman. Own your shit. (laughs) We have, like I said, a ton to get into. Lots of pain. We're going to bring you along for the recap. We're going to hit you up with a five-minute recap like we always strive to do. Although sometimes I feel like we just launch right into the discussion. But today, we're going to do a five-minute recap. And then we'll get into all the details. So without further ado, let's get into it. <laughs> uh, we pick up right after the events of Tori and Darius's Elysian mate ceremony of sorts. What what, what do we call that? The, the Elysian mates. They had mating? their divine moment. Their and- divine- Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, what was all that fanfare? There was like swirling around them. They got called by the stars. Divine moment yes. happened. They had their divine moment uh, where Tori denied Darius and rejected their divine moment. 
um, which is where we kind of pick up another side of that, the other sister's relationship. We have um, Orion, who was just graced by his sister Clara from the shadows, who they thought they were trying to help, and then she just stabbed him in the gut, basically, and Orion is left bleeding out in the cave. So we pick up in the aftermath of that, where both sisters are reeling from the decisions and what they've had to do, and they're quite a bit traumatized from there. And really, you know, Lance heals, yay, but Tori's pain continues, and we see this time and time again as the black rings that have formed around her eyes and Darius's um, have to be explained to everyone they see. You know, every conversation, it's <gasps> gasps when people see them with their eyes, and they have to relive that moment over and over again. Um, a curse of the Elysian Mates is that when you deny this bond, you spend the rest of your life pining for that person. So I think we see that already start to happen here. Caitlin, it's going to be really hard to summarize this in five minutes. I know. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> I'm trying um, so hard. So stuff happens. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so there's a lot of painful talks. People are having conversations. We meet the whores society. The heirs <laughs> officially ruling everyone's society, which I feel like is a plot point we need to talk we about. We meet Mildred as well. The whores. Uh, whores. <laughs> um, there is a delightful threesome scene, which we will get into, and probably one of the top five moments in this book if not the top two, one two we'll, we'll get into ranking we're, we're talking about power moments right yeah this is happy yeah. clarify happy so a lot of things happen we're introduced to a lot of characters there's a lot of uh relationship building between the heirs we find and- out that there's a sibling that the Tory and the um, not the Tory and the Vegas, the Vegas have. <laughs> yes, we do. We find out there's a sibling. It's none other than our favorite um, mysterious winged professor Gabriel Knox, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit as well. <laughs> I know ruthless boys. Well, I'm not going to spoil that. Um, Lionel's still a dick. Lionel's still a big, huge dick. Um, um, what Claire calls him there. daddy. Barf. Um, what else are the highlights? There's a lot of daddy calling, a lot of Lionel. We're all trying to try to get him. We're going to stick it to the man. And then there's a big battle and Clara runs off to save Lionel, her her daddy. Oh, can we, we have to stop. I can't. I won't make, I won't make it through this episode if we keep calling him daddy. Like I can't. Yes. And then Tori, in a weird twist of fate, uh, tries to save her friends and ends up guardian bonded to Lionel. Yeah. That's, I think, the quickest recap we've ever done. I feel like we missed something really big and I kind of don't know if we should say it. What? Oh. Oh, oh no. my God. This, I think it's our break. Hilda will ever go through. Okay. Crying. Reverse, reverse. So between the daddy calling and before the the Lionel Guardian bonding, man, it's so heartbreaking. No, I just. (laughs) I'll rip it off like a Band-Aid. We're losing Hilda already. Darcy and Lance's relationship comes out to the public. And because it is illegal, extremely frowned upon, he is arrested and hauled off to Darkmoor. And in order to protect Darcy, he lies about their relationship and about the depth and the feelings they have for each other, uh, which is a whole nother heartbreak to read from Darcy's perspective. The Twisted Sisters just can't let us be happy. You know what? I would like to say there's highs and lows, but it just feels like there's 
a lot of lows and then like small little peaks. Little spikes. Like little spikes. Like very little. I'm saying it was definitely like a small little spike because the first time I read it, I was like, oh, yes. The second time I read it, I, it, I felt heartbroken reading it because I knew how hard it was for Darius to be in that situation. We all know that book seven is the most painful. It just gets worse every single time you pick up a book. But this book is bad. It is. It, it's good. Like it's, it's good. Bad. But it kills you. I think this is the one where I had to take an emotional break from it. Like I couldn't I couldn't jump into six. Also, I wasn't sure if six six was out at this point. Yeah. I think I needed a break. Like I needed a palate cleanser. I needed to stop. I needed to collect my notions and be like, I don't know. I think it was this book where I'm like, I don't I don't think I can go on. <laughs> like I can't how I'm in the pit of despair. How far can I go down? I feel like we say that about all their books. You know, because these books are out back to back to back. So I just picked up book five, read the first couple of chapters to make sure everyone was good and alive. Spoiler alert, they were alive, but they were not good. Then took my break. <laughs> alive, but not good. Surviving, not thriving, our friends. <laughs> yes, clearly. All right. So that was our quick recap. So like I said, when we first kick off, we've got two different major scenarios happening. Tori and Darius have just denied their Elysian mate bond. They're reeling from that. In doing so, it means that they missed meeting Orion and Darcy in the cave when they were um, summoning, conjuring, connecting with uh, Clara in the Shadow Realm. Orion is bleeding out in the cave. Darcy is screaming for help. And of course, who should come to help her? None other than the friendliest wolf boy ally we can have around. Who's also a huge dick all the time. It's Seth. So Seth comes around to save, to bring him back. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he tries to put all his healing power back in. It's not working, unfortunately. And they're not able to heal him up in time. It is continuing to bleed out. Darcy is beside herself. Uh, Through the guardian bond, Darius feels the tug and comes rushing over, fresh off his Elysian mate rejection, um, to offer his power. They all, the three of them power share, share, and are able to heal Orion enough to where he's no longer bleeding out. He's more stable, but he's not well and needs to recover. So they fly back to Orion's place. Darcy stays with him, and Darius flies off. Now, on the flip side of this, we have Tori, who, again, fresh off the rejection of the mating bond, is, I think, the stars already at this point, even though maybe in my head it's been like 30 minutes, 15 minutes since this happened. But the stars are already working their starry bastard magic, and are calling to Caleb. So he wakes up out of the middle of the night and texts Tori, who is feeling terrible about what has happened. And they uh, invite she invites him over for a booty call. She really wants to make she wants him to make her forget uh, the pain that has happened. And Caleb, you know, is all too happy to help. When he gets there, he sees the rings in her eyes. And this is the first confrontation that she really has with someone and the reaction that she has to endure to them seeing her eyes. So he is flabbergasted. He can't believe that someone would do this to her. So, you know, we talked about Tori owning that moment and choosing her fate, but no one can fathom that she would choose this for herself because like we said before, this is such a rare thing to happen. Like no one, no one. It's like winning the lotto and be like – no, thanks. I don't need that billion dollars. Like, I'm all good. Like, no one would turn down this star blessing. Caleb comes over. He makes her forget. He does not put two and two together who this is. And I bet you're thinking, well, that's going to cause some drama in the friend group. It does. 
almost pretty much right away. So after they're done, which again, I my note to you guys was Caleb is a man who likes to eat, which is a good friend, I feel. <laughs> and uh, Is it a vampire thing? I guess. I guess. So at, while he's at Tori's house, Tori's room, uh, Max calls and Caleb has to go to the treehouse immediately. Darius is in pain. And it's kind of right then where Caleb starts to think, oh, Caleb's an idiot. So, oh, is this – this is the star bond. You both have rings. I kind of fucked up. Caleb is a fucking idiot. You know? Like, the moon, the moon had, like, drawn them both together. I remember when they were going over the star bonds, Zenith saying, it's very rare to find your Elysian mate. Some people might confuse it with a Nebula ally that they just have really good chemistry with. And so – and I think the other part of equation is that the stars are going to test you, you know, and see if like your relationship is worth it. You know what? Caleb was there to be a test. I kind of take back that he was a fucking idiot, but you know what? He was. No, I don't take it back. So yeah, the stars put them in that situation, but Caleb just couldn't put the two and two together. Yeah, like he was always exactly. the one intervening. And yeah, it is the star bastards, but also the ghost. For someone to, like, Caleb is the sharpest knife in the shed. But you know what? Actually, all the boys were stupid because that's something that comes when they're all got together in the treehouse. You know, Max starts accepting responsibility and he's like, oh, I felt that bond, whatever. That's another one that just pisses me off. Between them and I didn't act on it and Darius tried to talk to me about it, but I wouldn't listen. Ugh. Like, you know what? For the four future leaders of Solaria that have been raised to rule the kingdom, they're pretty fucking stupid. Y'all are some dum-dums. That's what I have to say about that. Yeah, clearly I'm having a lot of emotional I like it. It's like spicy <laughs> range. It's my ovaries. They're yelling. Uh, Yellow way. So <laughs> Max meets every – I'm sorry. Caleb meets everyone at the treehouse. Max punches him in the face immediately because of his siren powers. He knows where Caleb was. This confirms what Caleb needed to know that, oh, shit, it was Darius who just got rejected probably like an hour ago and I just did his did his gal. Drama in the friend group. Drama in the friend group. You know what? There could have been more drama in the friend group, but there really wasn't. They were kind of really accepting what happened. Like, I don't feel like Darius has ever really fully punched Caleb. I feel like Darius has accepted his the grave that he dug, you know? So he's kind of like, what else can I do? Like, I fucked this up. Like, I he gave her a he, reason to say mm-hmm. no. He it's realizes his mistakes. He realizes yeah. that she had every reason to turn him down. But Clearly <laughs> in this book, he's like, I'm going to make up for it. He's definitely defeated. I think that's what makes it so painful to read is you see him trying to right the wrongs. And it's just the stars won't let them. Like this this fate has been sealed. He, we will not let this pass. After dealing and telling the heirs, his fellow brothers, what happened, Darius goes to visit Orion who, again, you know, was bleeding out very ill. He needs to go satisfy the guardian bond and get some snuggles in. So the two of them uh, are getting their snuggles in bonding. And it's really sweet. There is a sweet moment where – Wait, before you get into that, mm-hmm. I want to say that this was one of probably like my favorite – Darcy and Lance scenes go on um I don't know it was just like I felt like it was really it was really sweet they were always my favorite couple because like they had their they had different type of drama but I always felt like they really loved each other they did and I think in that immediate aftermath before Darius gets there and the healing they're white they have to go take a shower to wipe the blood off each other 
Darcy is clearly traumatized to what she just witnessed and and having almost lost him. He's weakened and realizing, oh, shit, that was really bad. Also coming to grips with his sister, which he thought he was doing something to help her, is actually not his sister at all anymore, um, which I think is a process he has to start to learn to grieve all over again. A lot yeah. of emotional trauma right off the bat. Darius does catch Lance and Darcy. Um, he does. And he tells Darcy, you need to go to your sister right away. He doesn't tell her why. That's He understands that that's for Tori to tell Darcy the problem. Um, so right after that, Darius's black rings around his irises, which again is a sign of the rejection of the Elysian mate bond. Lance spots this immediately and understands. They have a discussion of like, why I couldn't be there for you. This was happening. Like, I couldn't choose it. The stars chose my fate. And Lance is upset for his friend because he realizes the complications of this. In this moment when they're, you know, bonding over this, he, Darius, tells Lance, like, don't let her go because I made this mistake with Tori. Don't do that mistake with Darcy. And I can tell she really loves you because when she was sobbing over your lifeless dead body in the cave, um, you know, that's love. Yeah. And Lance Lance does tell him, like, I'm in love with Darcy Vega. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Darius is like, don't let her go. Don't let her go. Now, if two dramatically shifting POVs couldn't go any further, we've got drama, drama, cut to sweet Xavier back at Acrux Manor, dreaming about flying. He's got a text from his BFF, Sophia, who thinks he's still Philip. There's a budding little romance going on there. It's super cute. He goes to make a sandwich because he's hungry. Sweet little, you know, Xavier. And that's when he is straight up attacked by crazy fucking Clara. So straight off her attack on Lance Orion, she runs off to Acrux Manor to go find Lionel. I think at this point she tells him that she has killed Lance, that mm-hmm. he wasn't a good brother, and Xavier is flabbergasted because this is the person he grew up with. He considered him like an older brother, much like his own older brother, Darius. And so he takes her he takes Clara immediately to go find Lionel. Now, we talked about this earlier. Clara, to say unhinged, I think is maybe underplaying her mental faculties. She is cuckoo she's hot she's warm she's cold she's calling him daddy it's just it's very much harley (laughs) quinn vibes where she's very childlike but then can lay down the force when she needs to it's official whenever you say daddy i'm gonna have a full body cringe (laughs) which is what happened every single time i read it every time you would think at some point i would get desensitized to it nope and you know it's really gross so we find out I think Lionel eventually tells Lance in book six um, that he was having an affair with Clara all this time. But we find out in like the prequel novel to the series that he is having an affair with Clara. And it's gross because first of all, like he's known this person since he was like, she was born since she was born because the families have been connected. Right, I think Lionel set up his parents. Yeah, and he's also having an affair with, like, her mother. So, you know what? I'm sorry, I'm getting Elon Musk daddy vibes from this dude. (laughs) Like, straight up taboo all Like, it's it's just gross and wrong. Yeah, you can't see me and Bridget's faces, but we just keep cringing. We're like, oh, God, no. Like, I mean, if you're into taboo cool for you oh yeah not no, gonna, no, we're not we're not your yacht or yuck your ache or whatever whatever yuck that saying yum. is i don't want to yuck, yuck your yum. yum there we go we're not kink shaming but it's just 
specifically Lionel and Clara. Yeah, it's the dynamic with Lionel and Clara and her childish behavior. Yeah. So in this time, Clara comes, Lionel's skeptical immediately off the bat of like, I'm sorry, who? Who are you? Where did you come from again? And we find out that she was guardian bonded to Lionel. It's Clara. She's back to, I don't want to say daddy again, but she's back to find Lionel. Um, And she has sort of like a display of power where she calls the shadows, they come swirling around. And in Lionel, you know, Lionel's reaction to this is kind of like, oh shit, like you are an ally. You're a scary fucking ally, but you're an ally and you're on my team, so we're going to roll with this. Uh, This is the first time instance where we see Clara call herself the Shadow Princess, which is something we'll see come into play much later in books going down the line. Immediately after this, Darius calls Xavier and sort of explains what happens on the Orion side, not that he's got black rings, and explains that Lance isn't dead, much to Xavier's relief. Now, Xavier comes to the house because he has to see what the fuck is actually happening here, and... You know, every time – You mean Darius? Also, yeah. I'm sorry. Who did I say? Xavier. Xavier's, Xavier's already in the house. Darius Xavier's comes house, from yes. school. So Darius comes. It's twofold. One, he needs to see what's happening. He was pissed and he wanted to go kill Clara himself. Two, he knows that his position in the world makes him very visible and that he needs to get ahead of this in the press to explain why his eyes are black, why he was rejected. Um, he realizes this is something he needs to discuss with his father. So he heads home to sort of accomplish two of those things. And any time this initial meeting is what we'll see happened every time the girl, the girls, every time we see Tori and Darius interact with any other friend group for the first time, it's shock. So when Darius meets his family, Orion, I'm sorry, when Darius meets his mom, Catalina, Lionel, brother Xavier, everyone is shocked, shocked, appalled. Devastated. Catalina and Xavier are shocked. Lionel, the fucking asshole, is kind of gleeful. He is. Like, I think oh. he's shocked because he thinks his dark coercion oh. in book four where he told her, feel free to break my son's heart, has worked. And yeah, he's like, he's pretty oh. much smug about it. He's like, haha, she did break your heart just like I told her to. Yep. Fucking now, Lionel. Catalina, you know, we've talked about her a little bit before. This is Lionel's wife. She's a beautiful trophy wife, kind of a shell of a woman. Um, but seeing Darius with the rings in her eyes brings out the most emotions Darius has ever seen. Clara and Darius get into it. Uh, after this initial shock and awe of the eyes kind of get over it, Darius comes for revenge on Lance and they get into a fight. Lionel kind of has to call it off a little bit after some ass kicking. And we well, see that Clara is actually does, pretty powerful. Yeah. He does try to stab her. And right before he can shove the knife into her, she stops him and she displays her shadows and how strong the shadows are. But because we come to find out she can control anybody that has shadows. Which is a lot of people right now. Yeah. This is their point. little situation. Right. She is the shadow princess. At the end of book four, there was that shadow ceremony. Or no, end of book three. Book three. There was the shadow ceremony, so Darius, Lance, and the twins all have the shadows, which means Clara can control them. Plus all of Lionel's Death Eaters. <laughs> all of Lionel's Death Eaters, yes. I mean, I think they're just dragons, probably. I don't but know. I like calling them the Death Eaters. He, they I should have like there their might own group be more name. Than well, he has dragons. stupid fart. Anyways. I mean, if we have the, the ass club and we've got the whores, like, why don't Lionel's Death Eaters have their own club name. Just something to ponder. So we'll find when, that out in the next book. I guess so. 
I hope they have like a witty name. I don't know what it could be at this moment in time, but I hope they have a good one. So while that is happening in Acrex Manor, Darcy has rushed over to Tori and she is flipping mad. She is so upset that her sister could abandon her. We were supposed to meet in the cave. How could you do this to me? And, you know, it takes a while. Tori just in her heartbreak just kind of sits and takes it. Like she knows she doesn't have a good excuse, but she's not ready to talk about it until her sister's kind of done raging. So once Darcy comes down, Tori explains what happens. And Darcy's heartbroken for her sister again. So again, that same theme of anytime anyone finds out what happened, it's a heartbreaking reaction as to what this net person has to endure. And even in this moment, you know, this has freshly happened that same night. Tori's admitting to her sister, if Darius apologized any time before that moment, her answer would have been different, which is heartbreaking as a reader to read. She's like, oh, we were so close to happiness. Darius, you dum-dum. Tori, it's worth noting here, Tori is in so much pain and heartbreak that she kind of calls upon the shadows to help her steal away her pain. Not how they are supposed to, I mean, how they're supposed to be used, but not, not what we want to see from our girl Tori using that to take away her pain. You know, this goes on. The girls go back to school. There's no hiding it. Tori decides to own it in the badass way she is. She struts into cafe, Tyria. The orb. The orb. Thank you. So there's another cafe, Tyria. I like the Ferrari. I like what you try to do there. Thank I you. feel like okay. they've used that I in their book at some point. Effort. I just want to let it be known. I just want to make it known. Um, at the orb, uh, Geraldine, <laughs> bless her is immediately overcome by emotion. Everyone is shocked. Marguerite, that bitch, uh, Muff Scruff, if you will, <laughs> is also shocked. But everyone, no one is more shocked than when Darius strolls in. And it's literally, I imagine, like a whole room of people. Like, you ever watch a tennis match and they like, look back and forth? And, like, everyone's heads are going back and forth. And, like, Darius? Like from the volley. Darius? Tori? Yes. And everyone yeah. cannot believe that these two – um, have been star mated and they have rejected it because everyone knows how bad it is. Kind of um, cry. Uh, it's just so painful every time. So right after this, Tori can only take so much and kind of runs out of the orb. And this is a sweet moment, so it's worth including, not a throwaway. But Orion finds her. And Orion is sensitive to what she is feeling, having learned what happened from Darius. He kind of comforts her, and it's actually a sweet moment between the two. It's sort of like a, a sibling vibe I got from them. Tori ends up using her earth magic to make some vines into a friendship bracelet for her and Orion. It's which, definitely brother-in-law, sister-in-law vibes. Like, Yeah. They're bonding. Oh, my God. It's really sweet. So after class, the girls have to go to class, and after class, um, Orion calls – Darcy and ask her to stay after late. They start making out. Things get hot and heavy. And then who comes and knock, knock, knocking? Oh, our favorite knitted wearing man, Diego. Diego comes and knocking and says, I think I have something you guys need to see. And this is where he tells them that he is his hat is actually a connection to his abuela. And it makes their now, please correct me if I'm explaining this wrong, because that's a little wild to conceptualize. But the hat allows him access to his family's memory. Yeah, it's a web of memories, basically, and it connects everyone. Yeah. 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 Everyone who has like a knitted garment of sorts to from their abuela. So his is his hat. I think his dad has a vest. What would we call this? Abuela's soul ties? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
think that's pretty much she used dark magic to strip her soul from her body or something like that to create all these garments to keep her family connected so she has a lifeline to them from the shadow world and so network yeah so they're able to like upload their memories somehow for the into family this to see. web for the family to see at any given time. So Diego in school is always able to like go in and see what his like mom and dad and uncle and all that stuff are doing when a memory gets uploaded. Now Diego comes and tells them, Princess is the shadow princess back. Clara is back. My family's working with Lionel. I need you guys to see this. Orion, rightfully so, is immediately skeptical and makes him uh, join a star bond. Is that the right term? I think so. I think a star truth bond. Like we swear on this crystal and if you break our oath, it's seven years oath. bad luck. Yeah, I would say oath. Again, like Harry Potter where they make like the unbreakable vow. There we go. It's like unbreakable curse. That's not the right word. Um, so Diego becomes their shadow spy. Now they all agree to meet reconvene back in the cave. So we've got Darius, Tori, Darcy, Diego. There's so many D names. I'm really struggling to make sure I'm saying the right person at the right time. Like, can we just get another different name? Now, (laughs) this part is really funny to me because we read this from Darius's perspective. And it's hilarious that Darius has no clue what Diego's name is. And so throughout this perspective of Darius's reading, he calls him Danny, David, Denzel. Like, it's just very funny how even it's written where, you know, as you're a reader reading this, it says like, oh, and... Diego said, but in this instance, it's changed to whatever name that Darius thinks it is. So like, oh, Denzel said. He's always like, yeah, that hat kid. And then he'll enter their like whatever name he could think of at the moment. Yeah, like, which is Diego. funny because it's a denamed person himself. Like you think you would remember this. Yeah, he's an asshole dragon. So they all go into the shadows together and learn pretty much what we already know. Lionel's working with his family. Claire's back shenanigans it's up to no good uh at that moment or shortly thereafter orion and darcy are back at their room i believe there was some sexy sexy time um and right after orion gets a call from francesca who we remember is our favorite cyclops friend from the fib she warns well, I know. There was much debate about this. <laughs> Definitely being time. sarcastic. I know. Um, I know. But also like. Our lukewarm friend. We don't know how we feel about her. I just want to. So I just want to say that ever since um, this near-death experience, Lance and Darcy have been spending a lot more time together overnight. And I would say that they're probably being a little reckless with you their know. relationship. You know if they give you so much spicy, some shit's going to happen. Like you can't just be happy. Yeah, you're reading their scenes with almost like a, a sense of trepidation, like this this is too good to be true. Like something is going to happen because I know, I know how these sisters work. I know <laughs> this is not a fairy tale ending. So they get a call from Francesca about a nip and tack. Orion says, I know there's nothing I can do to make you not come, so just stick by me because you're going to demand to come anyway. This is where we are introduced to a sunsteel blade, which is a specific kind of blade, very rare, that is great for slice and nibs. Darius, Darcy, and Lance go on an attack with Franny, and on their way there, Darius and Darcy are chatting. You know, they're scoping out the scene, checking it out, and this is where Darius calls her his little shrew. Now, this is not just a throwaway because it's a sweet bonding moment. As we saw with Orion and Tori, we see this relationship, this brother-sister-in-law relationship start to develop between Darius and Darcy. And this is a nickname we'll see here called throughout 
the rest of the books, which is just cute. I wanted to point it out. Um, so they meet up at this nymph attack. It's at the house of Craven Dyer, an old friend of Lance's father. The nymphs have been ransacking this place. They're looking for something. They're overrun. They, the nymphs, they kind of chase the nymphs out and they find the dead body of Craven Dyer and a note left with him warning them of an object that he has, can no longer possess and has sent out into the world, but it is of great importance that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. And because they practice dark magic and there's bones of an old fae there, I, I don't know why I thought this was really funny, but they like packed up his bones origami style, threw it in a backpack, and they're like, all right, let's go. By being that, that would be Lance and Darius, who were like, sweet, we need more bones for black magic anyway. Right. They told um, Francesca that they would dispose of it so she wouldn't have to call it in because they're, of course, this is supposed to be um, under the FIB radar. Right. Did I just so, say FBI? No, FIB. FIB, right. And so because of that, they have to burn the remains of his body, um, but they steal his bones. To do their magic, like one would, I suppose. I mean, um, they're resourceful. In this, Darcy finds another tarot card with another, I don't want to say meaningless, but it's vague, <laughs> and we still don't really have an answer for it, so we're just going to sc- move on with that. We found a tarot card. It's like, all will be revealed, or another, you know. I also want to call out that the steel, the sun steel, is it sun steel? Sun steel, mm-hmm. yep. Blade was gifted to Lance by none other than Francesca for his birthday, so... Yeah, homegirl's probably feeling a little jealous. Right. And it's worth noting, Darcy hates Francesca. She's very jealous of this. I know. I get it, girl. They're allies. So, you know, she's going to be in the picture. Sorry, Darcy. You got to get used to her a little bit. So we flip back over to Xavier. And Xavier's POV, again, he's talking to his sweet friend, Sophia. Xavier is called to dinner with his father, with his mother, Catalina, and they have to go down for dinner. And while they're sitting there waiting for whatever important message Lionel has to bestow upon them. No, I don't want to know. Who do we hear? Who do we hear doing it in excruciating detail? You know what makes it worse is that they can, they have magic. They can cast a silencing bubble so no one else can hear. Yep. Yeah, but Lionel doesn't give a fuck because he's an asshole. Oh, I know that, but that's how disgusting it is. It's like he's just flaunting the fact that he is F U C K I N G ing. Why'd you spell it? <laughs> I've said no, it like five old, times already. How old are you? Um, you know, I'm just adding some spice and difference to the podcast, you know, keep the people on their toes. Uh, so they're doing it and it's really loud and it's uncomfortable for Xavier. He is in disbelief that his father would disrespect his mother right there who just has to sit and take it. Uh, Xavier finishes. Ugh. And no, no, Lionel, Lionel finishes. Not, not Xavier. Sorry. Do not do Lionel, sweet Xavier to that. Lionel finishes and Our sweet virgin Xavier. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I can't wait to get into him, but book seven, Xavier, it's a whole You know whole there's going to be warnings level. like Google at your own risk. You know it. Um, <laughs> I just remembered why. It is a Google at your own risk, and you're going to want to, if you haven't already. Uh, so Google in your private browser, please. Yeah, and don't do it from work. Not a work computer. Uh, Xavier is fed up with this disrespect, goes to attack his father, Lionel. Clara fights back on his behalf, basically beats the shit out of him. Or Lionel beats the shit out of him, I should say. And it's weird, again, we see this, like, Clara egging him on, and then all of a sudden she flips, and she's like, no, 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 my sweet Xavier. And she goes to heal him, 
And then as soon as she's healed, she flips on a dime again and is back to being the shadow princess. Uh, yes. And it's just another call out to like this flip flopping we see from this character where she's just like unhinged. You don't know what you're she getting from one minute to the next. Major Jekyll and Hyde vibes. Major, major, major Jekyll and Hyde vibes. Uh, Lionel brings in the purpose for this meeting is he brings in Mr. Gravebone. Now you'll remember Lionel is an orderist. He believes that dragons above all else and nothing brings him more shame to his family than having Xavier come out as a Pegasus. So he, I think, I believe he dark horses Xavier into going with Dr. Dr. Gravebone. That's giving him too much credit. Mr. Gravebone basically starts conversion therapy into trying to convince Xavier that he's a dragon. Now, look, I don't know how this is tending to work. The man cannot transform into a dragon instead of a Pegasus. I don't understand the purpose of this. It's just really sad to see him denied who he really is yeah it's unnatural and it's just it's it's fucked up or as bridget would say it's f-u-c-k-e-d up <laughs> to the people out there i hope you did well on spelling these uh so back in zodiac academy we see darius trying to right his wrongs and trying to keep his Stay close to Tori because obviously the stars want them to be close enough, but they can't get too close. Otherwise, like literal lightning strikes, the ground opens up before them. So he's following her when she goes on her morning runs because she knows he'll be there. He meets her and brings her coffee in the morning. And again, these sweet, these sweet moments make it even harder to read when you realize that they're just like, it's like Romeo and Juliet. Like these two lovers are not meant to be. It's like he had like all these little things that he's doing for her makes my heart warm because it's such good boyfriend material things. And I didn't know I was like, you know, swooning over the fact that they go running together. I did not think that I thought that was just for this book, but I read another book earlier today and two couples. It's a second chance romance. And that was their thing. They would go running together and they won't talk to each other at all. And they suddenly this is something I really love. So thanks, Darius. And it is sweet because it's not like she invited him to go. He just showed up, and this is his time to spend and be with her, even though he can't really be with her. Um, and he so. just continues to show up, knowing that he still can't even get within a certain amount of feet from her, and he just trails her all the way through campus. She gets to the orb. He brings her her coffee, and he moves on with his day, and it's their little ritual, their little time right. together. So later in that time period, Caleb and Tori kind of run into each other, and they apologize to each other. Tori feels bad that she used Caleb to get over Darius. Caleb feels bad that he did Tori and upset his friend Darius. Um, and they apologize to each other and right their wrongs there and admit that she was never meant for him, which he accepts. So later, Tori is in an order class with Gabriel and he hits her with some hard truths. And it's interesting when you have a conversation with Gabriel because he is a seer and a, one of the most powerful seers, I think, for centuries, as he's described. And in mid-conversation, he's sort of adjusting his tactics based on how Tori is going to react and how he foresees her reacting. So, you know, as he's about to lay down these hard truths to her, he shifts over. He's like, I'm going to tell you something, but hold on. And like scoots further out of her reach. He's like, nice right hook, by the way. You're going to punch the crap out of me when I tell you this thing. She's like, well, I still might because, you know, she's Tori and spicy. What Doria – Dorius. <laughs> what, what Gabriel tells her is – you need to accept some responsibility for your star-crossed position you're in. It's not all Darius, and it wasn't all the stars. Tori fed into it just as much. 
maybe not as much as as Darius. She was just as stubborn. One of the things that Gabriel emphasizes to her is that, you know, on a couple of occasions, he was like, you can control the outcome of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically, I think, I forget what book it was. He pointed to a specific conversation where he warned her, don't go down this path. It was when she had to go request Stardust from Darius to help with their flying lesson. And Gabriel had told her, like, go before midnight. You know, the conversation can go one of two ways. It depends on the way that you behave. He's opening her eyes to the reality of the situation, which is she fucked up just as much. And she's not to blame. And yeah, she's causing her own heartache essentially. So naturally, Tori is pissed by this news, this realization. Yeah, it's a hard truth. Sometimes we don't want to see the things that others see in us. And she flies off through the bonds of the barriers, I should say, of Zodiac Academy. And that's where she's unexpectedly confronted by Catalina. Catalina wants to talk about Darius, and it sort of gets into a heated argument a little bit. And where Tori starts to fire up her phoenix magic and in doing so Catalina kind of reaches out and grabs Tori's arm and un, you know I think shocking to both of them is that Tori's phoenix fire flows through Tori and into Catalina and in doing so burns away years and we're talking probably decades at this point of dark coercion we know it doesn't work on the girls because of their phoenix fire this is the first time we've ever seen the girls use their phoenix fire to break it from someone else, which is a significant point that will come into play in this book later on and then in later books down the, the line. It's heartbreaking in a way because we start to see Catalina because now she's not bound by the rules that Lionel has put in place for her. And she agrees to help Tori in repayment for freeing her of this in any way she can. So the two become texting buddies and Catalina is trying to help Tori get to Lionel and figure out how to stop him. Yeah. And just to clarify a little bit, what comes of that is that Catalina has not chosen to be the detached, cold, aloof mother that she was to the boys. Lionel forced her to be that way with the dark coercion. It's sad because he has robbed her of a proper relationship with her boys. She's robbed all of them. I mean, he's mm -hmm. robbed all of them. He's a fucking asshole. (sighs) And I think it's also a note too. It's like, she didn't choose Lionel. Lionel was chosen for her. Like that's not her heartmate. That's not who she wanted to be with. And And because the way they do their pairings, it's usually someone as powerful that will be a match for them. So you know Catalina had to have been more than a shell before she got married to Lionel. She must have been really powerful. She's a dragon as well. Right. And she talks about having a really good uh, – she's really adapted. Tracking? She, yeah. She was going to be into the FIB before she met him, Lionel. Um, and so it's a little heartbreaking to see her kind of come alive, but in a way that's going to help the twins. Next up, back at school, we have – I don't even know where to start with her, but Mildred. Mildred is, as you remember, Darius's fiance. She's a dragon. She's hopped up on pharoids, so she's big, bulky. She's got a mustache. She is heinous. I think she's got an underbite and a unibrow. Like, basically, if you were to, like, make a Play-Doh person of really bad characteristics and features, they would all be found on Mildred. And she's high and mighty for no reason other than the fact that she's engaged to Darius who does not want to be engaged to her at all. 
Yeah, um, it's a forced arranged marriage because Lytle wants dragon grandbabies. Yep. So she starts there. Darius has moved up their wedding to, I think, like two days after graduation, which is Lionel. Fela. Lionel. Gosh, I keep messing up. Lionel has moved up Darius's wedding, so he wants them to be together at school, which is just gross. So out of that, the heirs are also like, this This cannot be. They're star-crossed lovers, Taurus and Darius. Now we got Mildred here. We got to find a way to try and make them back together. Want to find a way to help get Darius and Tori back together. So Max offers an olive branch and invites the girls to attend and Max's birthday party where they know that they can sort of be together because of the way that the star bond works. They can't be alone together, but they can sort of be in the general vicinity with a lot of other people. So that's step one. They get to hang out a little bit more in person there. Seth's idea. I don't know how this helps them get back together, but it definitely helps um, paint Darius in a better picture. Seth's big idea to woo Tori and Darius back together is to go beat up Tori's old ex-boyfriend. That was her biggest fear because they crashed their car. He bailed out, didn't go back from her. And again, was the whole plot point of book one. So Seth gets the boys. They go into the mortal room and beat the shit out of her boyfriend's video, record it and send it to her. Now, Caleb, I think Caleb did the most here. If I'm just being honest. And he benefited the most from it. I was going to say, I was like, Caleb's... Caleb's no fool. He's like, I see a way for us to mutually work this out. So Caleb arranges a threesome. Because, again, the way the stars work, he knows that they can't be alone together. So if there's someone else with them, maybe this is a loophole. So he arranges it to be... And you're going to have to help me out with the name. There's like an echo chamber or some kind of. Yes, I have found it the other day when we were. There's some kind of chamber. We're just going to go with that. Some kind of chamber that is hidden from the stars a little bit. And I believe it's where um, Gabriel can do a lot of his seeing, his deeper seeing, because it's sort of hidden from the stars. Uh, And so that's where we get a really hot, steamy threesome. And it's really nice feeling to see Tori and Darius just be together because you're like i just want you to be together it's, it's called a- amplifying chamber yeah amplifying chamber there we go um by far one of the best um threesome scenes i've ever read now i wonder if it would be as good if we didn't have that like romeo star-crossed lovers romeo and juliet situation where like they can't be together but this is the way they can be like i think that, i that want to say yes because the actual writing of it and the details that they provided was Chef's kiss. Very um, good. I'm not going to lie. The first time I read it, I was like, this is really hot. Subsequent rereadings. Caleb, just like stop inserting yourself into everything. <laughs> Fucking Caleb. literally. Yeah, literally. <laughs> In um, my initial reread of the of the books, I liked Caleb, but he has started getting on my nerves. Because he's always there. Every single time yeah. they turn around, yeah. there's Caleb. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, definitely a hot scene. Without all the extra drama, still a hot scene. But yeah, like you said, the second time around, every single time I reread that scene, I'm not saying that I reread it a lot. <laughs> um, it's okay. Just when we do our no judgment. It just hurts because you know that this is their only resort to getting to spend at least some time together. And Darius, Tori's blind, like blindfolded, right? Mm-hmm. She can't so see. She can't see him. You know that they have that immediate reaction to each other whenever they're in the area. And Darius is a dragon. Homeboy does not like to share. And you know, if he's willing to share with Caleb, 
that's how desperate he is to just be in her general area, be able to touch her, kiss her. And it's so heartbreaking. Well, on the same note, too, I think it's, to me, points, I guess, for Kayla because vampires don't like to share either. So he's like, this is my former source that I'm going to share with you because I know how much this means to you. This great also, he probably sacrifice. Feels, yeah, oh, yeah. He also feels guilty because he kept getting yeah, in the way. This is but it's not – it's not just at this point, like it doesn't matter that she was his source. That is his mate. Yeah, That's mate Trump source every single time. Yeah. One's no. a blood bag and one is your literal <laughs> soulmate. <laughs> Listen, I I don't say this lightly. For me to not be defending a vampire, it's a big deal. That's, That's true. true. That's a lot of weight behind those words. If you're new here, Hilda is obsessed with vampires and will always find and love one i don't just love lance for his body i love him for who he is too which is the vampire <laughs> exactly All and right. the fact that he's an asshole teacher but yeah that too he's got a charming personality so you know later on we learn that the twins in trying to you know they're at school let's not forget they're at school they're trying to sharpen their magic they are considered a threat to the throne and initially when they first got to the school they decided you know, let's just get the money, let's just get the school, and let's let's bounce. We just need a quiet life of luxuries, what we're after. But they start to realize that maybe they actually do want the throne. And maybe this is this is what their destiny is. So we sort of see the shift in their mindset to thinking, I don't have to just endure this, I don't have to just get through it. I actually need this because I maybe have a shot at the throne if I'm gonna go up against the heirs. You know, there's some fun Facebook action. Where Tyler Corbin, our main Facebook man, does some postings about Tori and Darius runs to defend Tori to Marguerite Muffscruff, still denying that Tori turned down Darius. And for Darius to get involved in a Facebook post, like it means means a heck of a lot, which I thought was cute just to see him. And another instance of him coming to defend Tori, his his lady. Um, Suddenly he's a knight in shining armor. A knight in shining armor. You know, later on, we talked about it earlier, but Tori is using the shadows more and more to manage the pain of what she has to go through. And so when she's alone, she'll sort of slip into it to sort of erase what's happening in her world. And Darius catches her and helps her try to get through the shadows. They are doing some testing with Lance to figure out, can we control these shadows with Diego, their shadow spy? How can we use this to our advantage? And we see Bori is immediately more powerful using it, probably because she uses it all the time, than Darius, which is a bit concerning on all parties. Now, later on, Lance finds out that they he has there's a diary that he thought was Clara's, but it's actually his father's. And I forgot how they find it, so you have to keep me honest here, Hilda. But it's spelled and he can't open it, and they believe the answers they're looking for to help them win this battle are contained in this diary. But how did they get the diary? Um, So he always had it in his things. Okay. And so he was thinking of Clara. He, like, took it out. Gabriel shows up. Lance was talking to him about it, and he's like, yeah, I have Clara's diary. And Gabriel was like, are you sure it's Clara's? And he kind of, um, Lance opened his eyes and realized that the diary is from his father. And so I think there's an inscription that he can read. Right. There's um, like a little can't, inscription. There's a letter from out. his yes. dad. There's a letter from his dad in it, but he can't get much else from it. Because by then, I believe, do they know about the Imperial Star by then? I don't think so. There's an Imperial Star. We'll get to that. It's also just, I know we mentioned it earlier. They start the whores. 
society. The heir is officially ruling everyone's society. This is, uh, I I believe this is started by Mildred, right? Yeah, Mildred started it to counteract the ass ass club. club. There can only be one ass club. Which is kind of funny because the heirs are like, I don't want this. Yeah. They don't want that ran by Mildred. Ugh. Now, this is where we're going to start to speed up because a lot happens in the last half of this book. So we're going to hit you with some fast points that come through. We'll see Catalina reach out to Tori for help with Xavier. A Lionel's becoming more unhinged and more subject. He's subjecting Xavier to more sessions with Gravebone. And Tori takes it upon herself to release, a, I believe it's a Facebook post. She moves forward with outing Xavier as a Pegasus because she figures that it could be blamed on her that she did this. And if he's public about his order form, Lionel can't really hurt him and hold that over his head anymore. Yeah, so she goes over to their manor because Catalina asked her to come and help and see what she can do. And she goes and she confronts um, Xavier and she basically pushes him out the window, I believe. And he bursts into his order form and she takes a video of it. And then she, Catalina also goes flying with her. So that was a sweet mom and son moment. And she is live streaming the entire thing. And that's how he outs her. And of course, Dara sees it and he's immediately pissed and he's going to go confront her. And he's like, what can we do? He can't kill him now because now it's all over social media. The news are going to know. Basically, she saved him. Um, Darius realizes what she's done and how it's going to help. Of course, he's falling in love with her all over again. And then doesn't he try to burn away? She doesn't. Does she try to burn away his shadows at that time? Yep. So when he comes to confront her, confront her about Xavier, uh, she ends up burning off all of Lionel's dark coercion from him, ah, which is nineteen years of damage and things that he's had to keep locked down. Now the heirs have always known there's things that he could not tell them, a lot of pain and things that could ha- not happen. So. Being newly freed, he goes to the treehouse with his brothers and tells them everything that's been going on and what's happening. Um, On a side note, Caleb is without a source and he needs a little action in his life. So he starts hunting Seth, which gives Seth some like, ha, that's weird. I kind of really like this vibe. You know, we'll see where that goes. Now, it's something to worth noting that kind of funny. So Kylie has continued to be Kylie. And she's very, very, very jealous of Darcy hanging out with Seth. And I believe at some point, Seth, you know, all throughout the book, Seth has tortured Kylie about how I don't love you. I've never loved you. I'm going out with a a Vega now. Uh, You know, I was flip-flopping back and forth. Didn't he say that at one point? Like, Well, it was at the end of the last book before they ended up at the cave. He was like, it's over, babe. Like, what do you want? And she, of course, can't accept any of the rejection. She thinks that he is still with Darcy, despite them protesting that they are not. Kylie's insanely jealous of Darcy. Darcy. Correct. And she will always blame Darcy for them splitting up, even though Seth has not given one shit about her because he screws his entire pack and they're never been in um, a relationship, basically. So they're in tarot class, right? And they get assigned as partners and they this exercise was like to go over your yeah, last Kylie- dream. And Darcy got assigned as partners, just to clarify. Yes. Kylie's dream was, do you remember? It had something to do with a wolf. Kylie is interpreting the dream as saying that Darcy has gotten in the way of her relationship. And really the theme throughout the book is that Kylie has not let go of that. She can't forgive Um, and forget. And she just, she has it out for Darcy. Well, unfortunately, they come to a head right now. So Lance and Darcy, again, we mentioned that they are... I'm sorry, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) 
Uh, Lance and Darcy increasingly becoming less careful and more straight up reckless reckless right like more public i guess ever so slightly so they meet up together in the library you know she brings a sword she had brought for him things get hot and heavy it's a really good scene but almost reading it and and this is my initial reaction for reading it i was like something's bad gonna happen like something it was too good to be true it was too good to be true and it in true Twisted Sister fashion. It was a really good scene, but you couldn't enjoy it because you just had a sense of, of foreboding and doom. You know, I give them credit to their writing you. that they're able to still do a good scene where you're like, this should be happy, but that you know it's not going scene. to be. Um, so what happens is they are exposed. They are caught red-handed by none other than Kylie Major, who recorded the whole thing and has the evidence for them which we don't know at the time we just know that the fbi the fib shows up takes lance away basically tells him that he's being charged with you know being with a student and not only a student a princess and that he's being hauled off to prison and he will go to court sorry hi kelly and right so this is heartbreaking for several reasons on Darcy's behalf. The one little Easter egg we will call out here is that Middle Kipling makes an appearance if you've read Ruthless Boys. I didn't catch this the first time. Um, I think, Hilda, you mentioned it. Did I catch the appearance of Middle Kipling here? And I was like, I only mentioned it because Bridget called it out. Bridget so called it out. Bridget gets all the credit. So, Bridget Woo! <laughs> originally realized that Middle Kipling from Ruthless Boys, if you don't know what that is, go read Ruthless Boys. You'll know what this is. A- a weird Easter egg, I guess, once you know who Middle Kipling is. Um, but he is Lance's attorney, one of the best that Darius has hired to help him get out of this. Now, Lance is in a lot, a lot of hot water. One, not only is he breaking the law from a student-teacher perspective, but he also is charged with, like, seducing and potentially, like, abusing a Vega princess. There's royalty. It's a lot, a lot to have to happen here lance is worried that by fighting for the relationship and saying no we are in love that this dooms darcy she'll get kicked out of school she won't be able to complete her magical training which will set her down a path where she ultimately does not end up on the throne now he realizes there's more to her in her life that she needs to accomplish and if he sticks up for the relationship you know he will rob her of all that so lance goes down this path in a story that says he seduced her, he tricked her, he used dark these, coercion. Yeah, used dark coercion to get him to like her, get her to like him. Which makes it even worse because no one's supposed to be using dark magic at all. Right. And Darcy is flabbergasted. She cannot believe that he's throwing this away. Now, you'll remember in book four and at the Halloween party, they made a star bond to each other. They will make a promise to always fight for each other. And he does not fight for her in this moment, which sentences him to bad luck for breaking that bond. And she's like blindsided by it because before when they're talking to the lawyer, talking with Darius, making the plans of what their stance is going to be when they're in the court and what he's going to plea and stuff like that, they were agreeing, this is love. It was meant to be. We suspect it's going to be a mate situation. And literally as he was pulling up to go into the court, he decided against it because I don't know. I forget why he made this realization. but So the promise that they made to each other was that they would always fight for each other. Yes. 
and their relationship. And he so, stopped fighting for her. Correct. No, no, no. They, he stopped fighting for them. By doing this, he is fighting for her. And but obviously he doesn't consult her on it. And he just he feels really strongly that he doesn't want to hold her back. And he doesn't want to be the reason that she doesn't get thrown. He decides to, to lie and say that you know, he manipulated her, essentially. As much as it hurt, it's a noble effort because he knows that basically Lionel is getting worse and Lionel will eventually challenge the other counselors. And he knows the intentions of Lionel is trying to take over Solaria and that's just bad news. So, I mean, it hurts. It really, really hurts. It really does hurt. Now that Lance is out of school, we have another professor that comes to take his place, Honey High Spell. The notes we have here, she's just a fake-ass bitch, and we'll get into her later. But she's like Professor Umbridge from Harry Potter, but mm-hmm. with like a hot bod. A hot Professor Umbridge. But probably manipulated. But oddly enough, even Washer is skeptical of her. So if Washer's skeptical of her, like, you know something's not right. She's obviously against the Vegas. She's a complete beach to them. She lies and she says that Lance Ryan is her best friend and that he told her the truth. And that Darcy is lying about the relationship and it's Darcy's fault. Oh, and of course, the entire time, like during the court case and stuff like that, Darcy's still saying, no, it's love. It's true. And everyone's like, oh, poor little girl. She still doesn't know right from wrong. She's still dark course. She hasn't, you know, she's been manipulated. Honey High Spell is a total see you next Tuesday. Big old see you next Tuesday. So Darcy's revenge, you know, (laughs) I think this is funny. Darcy teams up with Seth and Seth issues a decree as an heir and, you know, an important – an influencer, if you will, in the school. Ooh, during the court case, we find out that the video was taken by Kylie, which we yeah, didn't Yeah, so say. we find out it's Kylie. So for Kylie's revenge – Fucking Kylie. Fucking we thought Kylie it was Seth Major. before. We found out it was Kylie. She Darcy, Darcy thought it was Seth, but Kylie ended up stealing Darcy's phone. She saw that Darcy had messages with Starboy and – Kylie assumed it was Seth, so she set up the situation to catch Seth and Darcy together. But lo and behold, she caught Lance and Darcy together. Now, they make a plan, Seth and Darcy, to ice out Kylie. And so they issue a decree from here on out. Kylie Majors does not exist. You will not see her. You will not hear her. You will not talk to her because she does not exist. And this goes down in several <laughs> ways after that. I think you see her like pop up randomly. She's like, I'm right here, assholes. And everyone just ignores her. Yeah. But I think another Tyler Corbin famous Facebook post, he does something like, has anyone seen Kylie Majors around? It's like she just up and disappeared and became invisible. And it's a little like comic relief that I think is needed during a heavy scene. So that, that brought me some joy. So Lance is in jail. Um, and mom of the year, Stella Orion, comes to visit Lance at jail. She comes in high and mighty and she's annoyed at Lance. Not sympathetic. Not like, my poor boy. She's like, ugh, a Vega? Really? A Vega took you down? She's annoyed about this and she starts venting to her son in jail. Uh, she's very jealous of your sister. Very jealous of your sister, Clara, who is screwing the man I used to screw. It's it's weird. And in this like weird therapy session where she's just letting it all out to Lance, again, her son, who was just newly put in jail with his life ruined, um, she tells Lance that they're looking for the Imperial Star. Now, earlier in the book, we see Clara 
and the Death Eaters all coming together and finding her objects, which she's just throwing around the room like, that's not it. That's not it. And chucking objects behind her. And we learn that that is what Clara is doing. She's trying to find the Imperial Star, which isn't necessarily like a star-shaped object. It's any a specific object that has the Imperial Star power within it. And that's what they're trying to find. The Imperial Star can only be used by the ruler of the country. And it basically gives them the ability and the power to make anything happen. So the holder of the Imperial Star will basically be like omnipotent. And so obviously it's imperative that Lionel doesn't get his hands on it. That'd be bad news. It is bad news. Really bad news. Uh, so back with Tori and Darius, you know, they, they do manage to have another hot makeout session, even though the stars are pulling them apart. And we mean literally pulling them apart. Like the ground is opening up. The wind picks up. There's howling things. I think like a griffin falls out of the sky at one point and almost hits them. Like this poor <laughs> griffin is just innocently flying and then just like falls down. And like Geraldine has to go. It was actually a very funny scene. Geraldine has to go. Uh, heel. He's like, my ass is broken. And she's like, fear not, Griffin. I shall save you. And then Max is going mad at her like, why do you have to touch his ass? Because he's so jealous. So the stars just open up the skies and take down anyone in the vicinity to keep them apart. Um, but in this moment, it's sweet. And she says, I am sorry I did this to us. And he apologizes to her. The big apology that they we've been waiting for for at least 600 pages at this point. 600 pages in like four books. And it's sweet and sad because they both realize, like, I really love you and we can't be together. But on the plus side, they do have this little cute texting back and forth where it starts off with, what are you wearing? Which is goes back to some earlier texting they had together. Now, Tori and Darius have ha- – look at ta- – look at ha- – I just pa- – look, actual tears. Actual tears for Rayola. Let it all out. <laughs> bullshit. You know, I thought you only had these tears for for Lance, but I'm, I'm you must be really hormonal the, if it's it coming out in the tears. <laughs> this shit is rough. Uh, it Reading is. Reading Zodiac Academy should come with like a warner, like do not read if oh you God. are X, Y, and Z, and yeah. being pregnant and having a baby is on there. Being on your period should be on there. Yep. I was like, well, none a, of those things. I just have my period. Having a, a <laughs> shitty month is on there. Reading in the quarantine. You have to be like, in like your optimal mental pandemic. state in order to take this on. Uh, so Tori and Darius, they want to be together and they go to Gabriel, again, a famous seer to see what their future can be. Before this, uh, during a spring break, the girls go to the Palace of Souls, which is their parents' former palace. And there is another i think we described it last time it's like little wings glow there's like a little trail hunt that they go on and through a mirror they're shown a vision and it's a vision of the palace during the night of the attack we learn that lionel was there and helped orchestrate the nymphs getting in which ultimately took down their parents we see astrum lead a small little boy off and we see the girl's mom i guess put up one of her last fights in this scene we also see a flashback to her where she was a former warrior princess from another kingdom um she ended up having a baby by her lover um and we find out that that baby is the little boy in the scene which turns out to be the girl's half-brother gabriel so gabriel we learn in this flashback scene 
that they have the same mom and he was hidden away, you know, as protection also because. And he had shown up at the palace. Because the stars, Gabriel, I think, told him to be Gabriel there. As Gabriel is known to do, he's like, hey, the stars told me to come. So what's um, up? What, what do we got popping here? <laughs> the stars yeah. told me to be here. And um, so they have a very sweet reunion, which I, I think at that point everybody needed. And, like, I think there's, like, an actual group hug where they just sort of sit on the floor, hug each other, and cry, which is, like, heartbreaking. Again, different reasons for heartbreak. But a happy heart. A happy, happy. heartbreak. That they finally found their families. And if you've read Ruthless Boys, like, this comes back into play even more because this is something he's searching for there. So Darius finds out that Gabriel is their half-brother when they go to find out what their future can be. And they ask for a reading to see if there's anything they can do to change their future. Gabriel tells them that they need to go find the Imperial Star. Otherwise, it is death and destruction for everyone. So not a good reading for how to figure out how they can be together. Oh, and the death and destruction, you have three weeks to find this one object that you don't know what it is or where it is, but you have to do it in three weeks. Otherwise, the fate will not change. It's only death and yeah. destruction. And But there's also two paths that if somebody makes a sacrifice, they're going to be able to delay Lionel. Correct. Now they're like, okay, cool, 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 cool. We got a lot of work to do. Um, so as they find this out um, – Diego comes running up and tells Tori that Darcy has been kidnapped with Lionel. Now, I'm going to cut to the chase and let you know that, I mean, I'm sure you've known if you've read this, Diego is tricked by his family and they imprint a false memory that Darcy was kidnapped. Darcy was not actually kidnapped. This is an attempt for Lionel to lure her away from the others. So, of course, Tori runs out without telling anyone to go save her sister. She's met with order suppressant, which is like a gas that suppresses their order so her phoenix fire cannot come out to help her in this instance we also find clara uses her shadow shadows to keep tori immobilized um and we find out that clara knew through the shadows that he had turned diego had turned on his family and were helping the twins and they used diego so diego kind of became an unknowing double agent he's feeding information to the twins the twins are feeding information back to clara uh, and so not a good point, not a good start for our quest to the Imperial Star. So once – and I forget how they know that Tori is, has been taken, but – Because Diego doesn't initially go with her, and I think he is able to contact the rest of them. I think also Tori left the voicemail for Darius and his phone was said, and they yeah. were hanging out at the – um little boys club that they have in the forest and so when his phone (laughs) when he finally charged his phone he listens to the voicemail he's like oh shit and then darcy was like we've i'm going now and this was a moment i feel like was a really bonding moment for her and the heirs because it wasn't just her going to battle for her sister the heirs were like we're in this together you without a doubt you don't even have to ask us we're coming with you you're stuck with us and a lot of shit was happening but i did i like their little the ride or die they had. of the ride or die that they had because it's always been the heirs against the vega twins and suddenly they've accepted her into the fold and she's realized this is also her family now yeah and i think so too like it goes back to they were destined to be friends they should have been friends that should have been their path and their reality but Again, fucking Lionel, just fucking shit up. But it was meant to be, so they're finding their way back to each other as a friend group. Righting the wrongs, although very slowly and painfully. <laughs> wrongs that the stars had placed or Lionel has done to them, they're finding their way despite all his efforts. 
So everyone rushes over to go save Tori. There is a big battle outside with Darcy, Seth, and Caleb against Clara. Why Darius runs inside to go try to save his girl. Save his girl. Uh, Now, it's worth noting that Darcy, Seth, and Caleb are grossly outnumbered. Clara uses the shadows to um, send nymphs their way. They can only fight so much. Um, She also uses the shadows to manipulate Darcy and to start attacking the air. So before she is forced to turn her magic on them, Diego steps in to distract Clara and sadly in the process gets killed. Yeah, but how does – He's, Diego we don't killed. know it's Diego at the time. It's a nymph, another nymph comes, steps in to like distract Clara and attack Clara. Yeah, yeah that's right. Attacks him back, and then we find his lifeless body. That's right. So during the uh, nymph attack, one nymph. Do we not? Doesn't no, he like, transform because, immediately? No. So he this nymph sneaks up behind Clara, attacks Clara. Initially, it takes Clara off guard, but then. Clara delivers a death blow. So we've that nymph transforms back into Diego and then Darcy's able to run up to him before he passes away. Um, he apologizes. They have a sad moment and he tells her to find his hat. Mm-hmm. Yes. He has left her his hat. Abuela's soul hat has a purpose. And um, Diego said. Right. End. And I will say when Just reading kidding. this, it was a little shocking. Like I kind of suspected Diego was – I don't know if I necessarily knew it was a nymph because I think there was a very, very early on, and I want to say like book one, the stars have spoken about your day prediction when they were all getting chummy that said like, be careful of the friend who hangs close by, that they're not actually a friend. And I immediately went to Diego because I think later or very shortly on, like they had that incident with the shots and he was like clearly trying to get everyone wasted and it didn't work. Um, Yeah, the shots were the red flag for me. And I was like, this is a little suspicious because Sophia said that she can you know, hold down and suddenly she was drunk off her ass. It happened again with Tori and you're like, who's a common denominator here? Mm-hmm. It was Diego. And it was Diego. So it's sad to see him pass once he did have, he was trying to, you know, be the, the good soul out of his family of bad souls. It's such a chaotic scene to read that I almost feel like his death kind of gets glossed over because they are, again, grossly outnumbered and about to be attacked. So Diego dies. He's instructed to go find her hat. And then they got to move on. Almost right before shit hits the fan again with them after Dar- uh, Diego's death, Clara abruptly just runs off to save Lionel. Because at this moment, Darius and Lionel are in a huge battle. And Lionel- and Darius is going to win at this point. Yeah. However, right before that, when Clara has Darcy like wrapped up in the shadows and Darcy's about to attack the heirs, Darcy has some type of moment and she is able to use her phoenix fire to burn away the shadows. So that allows Clara not to control her anymore. So it is possible to get rid of the shadows. That's um, right. This is a big point. So she completely burns off all her shadows. Yeah. And so how she does it, we're not sure. She's not sure. But she's able to do it. Right. So Clara feels, again, because her guardian bonded, that Lionel's in danger and Darius is about to kill him. And he would have gotten away with it if it weren't for Clara who came back. Lionel, in a fit of rage, does the most fucked up thing I think you can do. One of the most fucked up things he's done. And he guardian bonds himself to Tori. So now he's got two guardian bonds, Clara and Tori. And he uses that as a protection measure because as a guardian bond um, person who is the protector, so in this case, 
Tori would put her life on the line in order to save Lionel, which means Darius will not attack Lionel for risk of harming, which, again, screwed up on all different kinds of reasons. Darius begs for her life, admits that he loves her, and Tori, knowing her friends are all in danger and this is not a good look for them, agrees to be consumed by the shadows so that everyone else can live and hopefully come back and rescue her. The heirs and Darcy make an oath to go find the Imperial Star before Lionel and that they can go back and find Tori. Now the book ends on a real high note, ends on a good warm and fuzzy note, which is we hear and read about Tori getting tortured. So that felt good. (laughs) You know what? You just caught me off guard. I was like, what warm and fuzzy note was this? I don't remember this. Nope. (laughs) So a whole, again, when I said I thought book four, it's book five. Book five. Because from start to finish, a lot is thrown at us. There's a lot of pain from the heartbreak that our our heirs are feeling. There's pain about Lance and Darcy. And now this. Now this. Yeah. Lionel's trying to basically brainwash Tori. And have her fully under the control of the shadows. I will say before Tori left, just to backtrack briefly, um, she did give Darius a phoenix kiss bangle to prevent Lionel's future dark coercion, which helps. Uh, You know, she's Lionel. She's Lionel bonded. She's guardian bonded to Lionel now, which makes the rescue efforts going to be a lot more challenging. And I think that's another thing, like, you know, when things are too good through with a couple that something bad's about to happen, because when she gave him that bangle, they were on top of the rooftop. She had finally gone to see the bike that she had won from him. Um, and their little posse was there and they all hanging out on the rooftop because they were drinking beforehand because terms were over. So she gives him the bangle and it gets absorbed in his skin. And that's how he has the power to, you know, be protected from Lionel. And they agree at that moment, the two of them, that they were going to fight for each other and figure out a way to break the curse that's currently on them so they can be together. So we're like, oh, yay, this is great. We made a step forward. They're finally in agreement that they both want to be with each other and they're going to right this wrong that they've and, you know, redo. Give themselves a little chance. Boom. Lionel takes her. Nope. No, you know, no can do. In normal storytelling, you would think like, okay, we've reached the pinnacle. The, we're at the climax. Not in this book. And, With the belly you know, of the it's beast. Start, and it's going to start resolving itself as we move towards the inevitable happy ending. And at this point, though, it's like an upside down climax. <laughs> because you're just like in the depths of despair like Princess like, Bride, the pit of despair. Yeah. That's where like, I am. You can't see any way out, and you're just like, wow, everybody's fucked. So good and job, Suzanne and Caroline. That's Great the end of book five. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've re- just read this book, you think that, you know, it can't get any worse than this. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Oh, but it does. It does. <sighs> so know, if you had any hope, just, you know, start building up the wall around your heart. You know, protect it a little bit more. I realize as you hear us complaining about the pain that is this book, it is still a good book and we would recommend it. <laughs> oh, like, oh, 100%. But, you know, Misery Loves Company. I'm just, we're just trying to let you know what to expect. And I'm, I feel like most of you readers here or listeners have already read this book and we're just, this is group therapy. We're all coming together to talk about, just to talk about it. 
Are we obsessed? Yes. Does it cause us pain? Yes. Will we recommend this book 100% to you? Yes. Also, yes. Should you read it? Yeah. At no point, at no point should you say, wow, this is really bad. I'm not going to read it. No, absolutely not. Join us. Join us us. in this terrible uh, place. And you can join us on Instagram. So here's our plug because we had a couple conversations with some fans, people who are just now getting into the series and are just finishing book five. And I was like, whoa. Or the middle of book five. And I was like, just, just you wait. So you come back and you find us and you listen and we will be your group therapy. We're also on TikTok. So make sure you follow us on TikTok. Yep. You Um, can find us on TikTok. You can find us on Instagram on both platforms. We are booktalkmademe underscore pod. You can always send us a message. Man, let us know how you're feeling. Did you finish all the books? Did you stop at a certain point? Which one was more painful? Because, again, I said four, but I stand corrected. It was five. We want to know. We want to hear. And fun fact, we are on most of the large podcast platforms Platforms. now. That's right. So you can find us on, obviously, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Where you want to listen, we are at. Wherever you want to get your painful entertainment. Or just come hang out with us. I promise we have normally more lighthearted topics of discussion, generally speaking. Yeah, but if you're here for Zodiac Academy, you're here for the pain. So let's be real. That's true. We're all in it together. We're all in this together. You don't have to hide who you are. (laughs) Because we reach for the stars. Wildcats everywhere. Throw your hands up in the air. It's a little high school musical. Oh, okay. Little um, little ending no one saw coming. Little high school musical homage. All right, um, guys. So we will be back with we'll be back with book six, Faded Throne, and we'll talk through that one as well. A lot more pain. I think there's a little bit more LOLs. Um, big battle scene at the end, which did have again some Easter eggs to Ruthless Boys. If you caught them, just throwing it out there. We'll see you next time yeah. when we talk about book six, Faded Throne. Awesome.